LinkedIn presents. What you're describing is sort of a, a victim mentality is what a lot of people call it. And I think like being a victim of circumstances is is real. I mean, terrible things happen and we live in a in a culture and a society that's deeply unfair and where thing wealth is distributed so wildly unequally you could like it almost boggles the mind so yeah it is true that there are circumstances that we can't change there are things that happen to us that we're out of our control however within the space that we can control what can we do and shifting away from that mindset you're talking about of like everything sucks and there's nothing i can do about it it's the starting point right it helps a lot because when you feel completely disempowered by all the things that keep happening, like, well, where's there space for you as this precious individual to move in the world? Welcome to Entrepreneur Struggle, where each week we talk to founders and freelancers about their journey creating and scaling up their business. My name is Chris Colbert, and I'm the founder and CEO of the media company DCP Entertainment, as well as the video and podcast recording space Podstream Studios Times Square. This season, we are part of the LinkedIn Podcast Academy, so make sure to check out our show notes for information about our weekly newsletter and live events. In this conversation, I'm talking to Quinn O'Brien. Quinn is a self-proclaimed joy nerd, and I absolutely love it. She has created multiple companies throughout her entrepreneurial journey, but it took the closing of some of those earlier businesses for her to find her true calling with her company, Joy Based Business. Now, as you can guess, we talk a lot about joy in this conversation, but we also talk about the tough times, including literally being afraid to go to the mailbox because that's what holds all the bad news. This was such a necessary conversation for me to hear in this moment. And so I hope that you get as much out of this as I did. All right. So where I first want to start is I know it's like a very broad question, but like, how do you get into the business of joy? Like that that is such an interesting uh, title to have, a a business based on joy, a joy-based business. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Great question. It is a little unusual, but I kind of, it all came about really organically. So many years ago, um, I found that I was not having fun in my life. Fun was the word I started with. And I became really interested in the concept of fun. Like, how do you know if you're having fun? What is, what is fun? And then eventually that evolved into what I think of as a broader and deeper question, which is what's joy? How do you experience more joy? Um, How can joy be a big part of life instead of like this tiny little like crumb that you get after all the hard work and stuff? And so I got really interested in that and spent a number of years just as as like a hobby thinking about it. And then um, in 2017, I founded my previous company and it took off like a rocket. And I soon found myself like exhausted and on planes all the time and um, under so much pressure, so much stress. And I did not feel any joy after a while. Like the joy just kind of evaporated. And I think as entrepreneurs, like we start our businesses with all this like Woohoo! This is gonna be amazing. Mm-hmm. And then um we can quickly find that like the stress, the responsibility, you know, as you build a team, like all of that just puts so much pressure on that it's hard to find the joy anymore. And then you're like, well, why why did I even bother with this? 
How, may so, I ask me, how long did it take for that joy to, to disappear? You know, to go from that, that, oh my God, I'm starting something new and exciting to, oh my God, I'm stuck. What happened? About a year. It was about a year. And then, you know, in year two, I sort of ground through and I would say, you know, I don't think I can do this much longer. And then COVID was like, you're right, girl, you're not going to do this much longer. <laughs> Um, and I remember, uh, when COVID hit, I lost a m- huge contract with a major company, like immediately. It was like their first thing they do, like, Hey, COVID also, bye-bye. <laughs> and so I just went, I sat in my backyard, which I had never sat in before. Um, really. And I, I sat and I thought there's got to be a better way to do this. And the the words joy based business just came to my mind. And over the next few months, I was like, "Yeah, this combines like I wanted to teach myself, like mm-hmm. how to be better ways to do this." And so I did a bunch of research and I started thinking and planning. And then because I am also just kind of a teacher, like I was like, "Well, I have to build a course about this." Um, and so that's that's how I started. And then I've just been building. Like when I'll you know I'll be on vacation and I'll. <laughs> this is like why I call myself a joy nerd. Like I go on vacation and I start thinking about joy and then I'm like, I got to make a course about that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Tell me more about being a joy nerd. That was something that really stood out to me as I was looking through your LinkedIn and everything. Like I've never heard that term before. Well, thank you. I I hope to be, you know, there may be other joy nerds out there, but um, yeah, I mean, I think, I think a lot of times we nerd out on things that don't serve us that well. Right. Like, can get down a rabbit hole about some drama or something that's like maybe it's neutral but could be kind of negative mm-hmm. so i just choose to obsess about joy and to think about it every day um i write about it every morning um and i have cultivated in my in my mindset a way of finding the joy and i think one of the things that people don't think about when they think about this is that personal growth is a huge part of it. Um, I actually heard on your previous podcast, uh, another person talking about the importance of therapy and I couldn't agree more. Like um, we like to, to do joy authentically. I'm not talking about having a good time for on a Saturday night. I'm talking about real deep purposeful joy, right? Like to do that well, you have to dive deep into yourself into um, grief, into um, all the scary places, because that's usually like, that's what keeps joy down in people. So, um, so yeah, there, and there's so much to learn and read. And I'm fascinated with uh, somatic psychology. I'm fascinated with, um, you know, some interesting research on how our, our brains can actually change and tune in different ways. Um, I'm interested in, um, sort of spiritual teachings like I love uh, the Dalai Lama and and the book of joy which is the Dalai Lama and Desmond Tutu's book that they uh it was a came out of a conversation um is sort of my textbook which I have like multiple copies of on my desk all the time (laughs) um and yeah I mean it's just it's a great thing to study I think it keeps my brain busy studying it and that way I can sort of keep keep that busy while my heart can experience the joy part are there other books besides the book of joy that they kind of like taught you this or kind of keep you grounded? 
there's a wonderful book um, called Awakening Joy. And um, I have actually have it over here. On the, <laughs> I don't think I could bring it over in a minute. Um, but it was um, written by a couple of meditation teachers. Um, they're based in Northern California. And um, it's, it's a, a program on finding and cultivating joy. And so a lot of that was inspiration for mine. Um, but there's a specifically spiritual and, um, I wanted to apply joy in the unlikely places, right? Like when you go meditate, you sit and you're like, look, redwoods and beautiful nature and all that. Like you're supposed to feel joy there. Mm -hmm. How can you feel joy in the moments of like, I have to make payroll. Yeah. (laughs) That is not a joyous occasion at all. (laughs) That's That's a whole different thing it's a it's a different kind of practice so what i wanted to do was take these teachings and think about them for myself and apply them in in ways that would be um accessible to people who are doing the stuff we're doing being entrepreneurs um and i also have uh as part of my nerdship um i'm obsessed with money (laughs) not in a sense that i'm trying to get a lot of money but I think money is fascinating. I think money is a measure of, um, in, in our capitalist society, it's become this measure of well-being, of worth, of home and family in ways that it really should not be. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we take that in. And um, so if we can cultivate joy around money, then we kind of bring the humanity back to it. Um, so I actually am, I have created a course. It's called the Joy and Money Mindset course, and that's going to be um, launching soon, but some of that, some of what I'm, I'm putting out there is like, how do we survive um, in late stage capitalism? Like, yeah. how do we keep our joy and our humanity um, in the midst of this roller coaster that we're that we're all on? Um, and it's not easy, but I think there are some ways to navigate. It's interesting that that you that you focus on that because I, it's funny when I do an analysis of where most of my stress comes from, it is around money and time. Those things for the entirety of my life have been the things that caused me the most stress. And I think if I can just conquer those things, I will be a very happy person. I'll be a very joyful person. Right. Like we, but yes, there's so much stress and anxiety that comes around it. It's just, it's hard to get over that hurdle sometimes. So I'm, I'm really interested and I might have to take your course. (laughs) You are most welcome. Um, you know, I'll tell you, I'll tell you a secret, which is not going to be a secret anymore. I spent years terrified of the mailbox, Mm, the mailbox. Because when I was 28 and I, I was so proud, I sold, I, I saved up, um, I worked two jobs, I saved up and I bought a house and that house turned out to be virtually worthless. And oh, no. all the bad news came in the mail, you know, so I was so scared of opening mail and I would have these enormous piles, like, you know, a foot, two feet tall of mail that I hadn't opened. Um. And so I, I get you like and that it goes deep. That shit goes so deep, like into those parts of our psyche where it's like it's hard to heal in there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, let's back yeah. up a little bit because we, you know, we kind of jumped into some things. But, you know, tell me a little bit about those early businesses, uh, Relish Inc. and also uh, the O'Brien Group. Because I know that you, know, you oh, found sure. two companies, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, Relish, <laughs> Relish was like my starter business. It was fun. Um, and I actually had, had another business, um, years ago, I was a private tutor 
Oh, and okay. I read I read a book about tutoring, and I, I made a little website. And uh, you really do love to teach. I really do. Yeah, I taught community college for several years, um, and I teach it every part time. But yeah, so I I, I met this guy, um, really great guy who had been. It was kind of a serial entrepreneur. And we worked on Relish, but we actually did not yet have the technology for what we wanted that co- that company to be. Um, if we'd had artificial intelligence, I think we would have nailed it. But <laughs> but we we didn't have that at the time, and so it it just sort of stalled out. Like we couldn't get funding for our ideas, and that stalled out. And that was that's okay. Like gotta fail sometimes, right? Yep. And then I went to work for Google, which was cool. Um, everything you hear is true. <laughs> The rumors were all true, um, as Lulu would say. And um, it was great, but we had a we had a disagreement about where I was going to live. Um, I live in Atlanta. I want I love it here. I want to be here. They wanted me to be in either Boulder, Colorado or Mountain View, California. And I, I, I know. Yeah. I was like, mm, I don't want to. Um, so we went back and forth on that for a while. And finally, it was like, okay, we're we're at a standoff. So um, I started a company that was partnered with Google, which was super cool. Um, So Google Cloud and Google for Education um, would hire us as consultants to go work with some of their clients and teach them um, human-centered design, which is um, an innovation method. And also, you know, share a little bit of them with Google's culture. And it, it grew beyond that. But when I say it took off like a rocket, that was why. I mean, we, I just had this built-in um, incredible client from the beginning. Um, so it was an incredible gift. So that was about four years, all told. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess we were three years, two and a half, or two and a half years in when we COVID hit. So, it, you know, it continued a little bit after that. But um, what I loved about doing that company is that human-centered design is all about creativity but it's the kind of creativity that you can sort of sneak into a boardroom and people are like oh this is like this is a real thing right (laughs) it's measurable it's legitimate but ultimately it's actually about getting people to play and to think differently and to um be curious and empathetic um which i think is something that really is missing from a lot of our businesses when we focus on money and and that's all and we lose the humanity of what money can mean and do um then we we kind of end up in a in a space where things are so dry and they're so meaningless that uh that we can't play and we can't think creatively and we can't come up with that cool new idea um so that's what that company was all about yeah. Well, and, and you speak, you know, about bankruptcy and money catastrophes, financial trauma. Like, it, was that born out of those experiences there? You would think so, but no. Hmm. <laughs> uh, well, the first one, the bankruptcy, happened because, well, let's see. Remember back in the day, they used to just give out mortgages like candy? <laughs> 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 yep. I was one of the people they gave them to. And I was a newspaper reporter. I didn't make all that much money, but I bought um, a cute little house on the south side of Atlanta and I loved it and I lived there for a while and then I moved away and I rented it out to a friend and what I didn't know is that this kind of cranky old man next door who had like a shotgun and a pit bull was holding down the whole neighborhood 
He was. He was he was actually keeping me safe and all of our neighbors like safe. And when he died um, shortly after I left, just all hell broke loose. And, you know, my my friend woke up to find someone in her bedroom and oh my gosh. I couldn't keep people out. They loot and then people, the people, of course, left. But like the people came in and took all the appliances and stripped out the wires and the plumbing and things. And it was just it was catastrophic. And I couldn't live there again, of course. Oh, yeah, nobody could. Um, and by the way, I also had bought a car that uh, the transmission basically like fell out. So, when it rains and pours, I swear it's just like what's always one thing after the other. And we're in a recession, so the best job I could get paid fourteen dollars an hour. So, like, I didn't have a lot of options, and so I declared bankruptcy. And at the time, it was a huge relief, but it actually because getting out from under, you know, I was I was still paying that mortgage, and um, getting out from under that was an enormous relief. But at the same time it became this insidious and ongoing financial trauma. And it took me 12 years after that, maybe 10. Okay, let's say 10 to really recover from it enough to let myself have a savings account. Mm. I would not because I had saved up and I had done this thing that was like the responsible thing that I thought I was supposed to do. And then it had been so catastrophic and like this belief crept in that I couldn't be trusted with money. And was that your own personal belief or the outward belief that you couldn't my be trusted? Be- my own belief. Nobody else thought that about me. They were like, yeah, that sucks. Like, you're fine. <laughs> but it, it was it's interesting from this vantage point to think about how I continually made choices that kept me in scarcity for a very long time. And I did so much work to heal from that. And it was a real stop and start. Like I did therapy. I did uh, courses. There's a great, one of my favorite books on money um, is The Art of Money by Barry Tesler. You know, I learned from her vicariously because my roommate took her course and I couldn't afford the course, but I would like listen to it. <laughs> um, and I did a lot of, you know, workbooks and things like that over the years to try to heal this. And it took a very long time. I also have done EMDR. And what's and- that? Oh, EMDR is, um, it's a technique for treating PTSD. Oh, you might've heard of a thing where like, you kind of look at different directions or they'll have these sort of paddles that you hold that vibrate in different ways. Mm -hmm. I know this sounds insane, but it works. It really does. And, um, it, it, well, they developed it treating people for PTSD after like traumas like war or, you know, uh, car accidents, that kind of thing. But it works for all kinds of stuff. So yeah, so I I did I did EMDR and um, eventually found relief. But that's the way I got inspired to teach about it because I was like, man, this road would have been a lot shorter and a lot less painful if I had had someone to help me. Mm-hmm. But nobody knew how to help me, and I didn't know how to help myself. So I was just stumbling around, like trying this and trying that. So I've tried to like assemble for people all the things that worked for me. So that they could get there hopefully a lot faster <laughs> and get to, you know, not just recover, but thrive and get to the joy part. Okay, so that's one. You want to get to the other one now? Yes, please. Okay. I mean, COVID just wiped out my business, basically. And the awesomest stuff happened after that. 
That's an amazing you know, statement right there, by the way. And COVID wiped out my business and then the awesome stuff happened. Like for real though, this is true. <laughs> Anybody who's like business is being wiped out, don't be, don't be too alarmed. It's going to be okay. <laughs> because I, I was ready to let that business go. It was a gift. It was an incredible opportunity. I made a lot of money and it was not any more good for my spirit. Um, it wasn't serving me on my journey anymore. And so when that big contract I told you about got pulled um, and I'd had another big contract that didn't work out and, but you know, I was an in-person consultant. So oh. like, yep. it's not that fun on a Zoom call turns out. Um, but you know, I, I was, I kind of stumbled along with that for a while. Like there was still some business in that area and I, and I did some things, but very quickly I realized like, I just actually don't want to do this anymore. And, um, I'm going to, I'm just going to close this business. And I feel like the resilience that I had around that was very much born of all the work that I had done, um, in that first round, because it took me a matter of months to recover. Like I was like, okay, well, how are we going to handle this? Well, I'm going to sell this house. And I'm going to take time off. So I sold my house. I took a year off. I taught part-time uh, grad students in design and innovation and oh, undergrads too, actually. And, um, you know, I just regrouped. And all the time I was also like, I'd get inspired to make a little joy thing, do a little joy thing, you know? And I found that vibe. And so that just kind of slowly built back up over time. Um and if all that hadn't happened, I think I would have tried to keep running the business. I think I would have sort of tortured myself with something that I didn't really enjoy anymore for much longer. So um, it was not like the most fun gift to receive <laughs> that day with not the white contract, <laughs> but it was a gift. They really uh, and, and, you know, one thing that I feel like is like this delicate balance when starting a company or, you know, even just doing something that you're passionate about is like there's this delicate balance of like this is either a hobby or something you love, but now it becomes work as well. Like how do you protect yourself around something that should be, a, you know, again, you're based in joy, but how do you create, you know, stop that joy from becoming something that now becomes a burden? Yeah, great question. Um, I've thought a lot about this because, you know, now I know the pitfalls, right? Like before you've had a successful business that takes off and like, you're trying to run to catch up with it. You don't really know um, like what it feels like, like if I joke before about what it feels like to try to make payroll when, you know, the cash hasn't come in yet and you're trying to like figure that out. Um, and so for me, I actually structured this one from the very beginning as something that I could do in a manageable way. Um, all my courses are online. Um, they are self-serve and there's an, there's an in-person or a live component to them, but I didn't set it up in a way that puts me on airplanes constantly. And that's what you were doing before you were doing a lot of travel. Yeah, exactly. So, and that's, I mean, the way that that just drains your life force is, oh, yeah. uh, is unbelievable. I, I can see from your face that you know what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. I used to be on the road hundred, 150 days a year. I completely understand. Horrible. Yeah. Yeah. You can't even have a life. Like it's just, it's not acceptable. So, so I set the whole thing up and I also like the first thing I did was set up my assistant's email. Oh, having an assistant is such a lifesaver. <laughs> I don't have an assistant yet. Oh, nice. oh. Well. <laughs> and they're going to need an email address because they're going to be running a lot of the operation stuff that I am not going to be running. And also, you know, one of the things that I intend 
is to not work what anybody would consider full-time. I need time to fill up the tank. And how can I meet my clients um, and participants in my courses with genuine joy when, you know, I'm running on empty? So um, I think like the word boundaries is maybe overused a bit, but they have to actually be pretty ironclad. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing that I learned a little bit more slowly with my last company is that you have to have great people to help you. Like there's no, uh, trying to be the one woman show is just going to burn you out. Mm-hmm. Um, so like I'm joking. I don't have, um, I don't have an assistant yet. I will someday. I do have one hell of a business coach, right. Who helps me figure things out and, you know, shows me how to do stuff. Um, and helps me organize this in such a way that it is, um, is sustainable. So, um, I, you know, the first time around I was like, I'm just going to do this all myself. Let me keep the books. Let me like do marketing, all these things that I have no idea how to do. So, you know, yeah, I got a bookkeeper. I got like a coach. I got, you know, all these people. And as soon as I get overwhelmed, I will have an assistant and like, we will just go from there. So, yeah. Um, is the assistant email, is that just like a way of creating a boundary of like, now you can say the things that you're, you know, you don't want to personally say, hey, I can't do this. But now this assistant email, you can pretend like you're somebody else and be like, oh, I'm setting this boundary without offending anybody. No, no, I don't mind telling people no. Okay. Uh, the, the email for the assistant is like, so that I can set up all the company logins and stuff with their email address, which I can easily switch to if I want to. But right, like this way, say they can access the back end of all of my courses. So if a student is, is emailing and saying, oh, like I can't watch this video or whatever, I don't have to be the person to check on this. My assistant can check on it. So just setting up the structure and the intention from the very beginning that there there is help, there will be help. And, um, and then I'm going to also find somebody who's very responsible and that I can trust. I had an incredible assistant in my last company. Oh, that woman. She could do anything and she could have probably run the company better than me. Honestly, <laughs> she's amazing. So, you know, I'm looking, I'll, I'll look for somebody like that, um, that I can trust and that they can, you know, really come alongside me. Yeah. And, and like, obviously you're doing a lot in joy. So hopefully you're having like, you know, clients that are, are, you know, coming with intentions and things like that and, and are very invested in, you know, anything that you're working with them on. But do you ever have like difficult clients that are just like, they're difficult in whatever reason. I don't even want to, you know, preface anything, but yeah, do you ever have difficult clients and how do you work with that? Well, everybody kind of approaches this joy thing from a different place. And I think for some people, there's a sense of despair that this really isn't possible and that if it is possible for me, it's because of X, Y, Z. Like, well, you have more time or you got to go to these great schools or whatever it might be that like makes it so that it, it that can't be true. But so I think that for, I wouldn't say there's anybody who's difficult at all, but for people who are in that despair, it takes a little more upfront handholding and attention to be like, well, was there any joy today? Anything joyful happened? And also to help people recognize the experience of joy in their bodies, which is something that most of us have had to tune out to try to deal with the world as fucked up as it is. Um, like when I feel joy, um, I feel it in my heart center. 
also it sort of spreads out. I can feel it in my shoulders. And when it gets really big, the energy sort of like expands outside my body. Um, so like I can feel it right now, just talking to you and seeing your smile, like that brings me joy. I feel that. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Now, a lot of people just don't know, don't know, like they haven't sort of mapped out, like, you know, is it in my face when I smile? Is it in my heart center? Is it in my arms? Do, do my feet like do a little happy dance? We're all different. Um, but if you don't know what, where it is or how it feels, then we have to do that work first. Mm-hmm. And then we can start to be like, okay, well, let's like, let's start noticing. One of the things that I do is um, I have some guided meditations where I help people just tune the mind to joy. So our minds naturally tune to threats because, you know, lions, whatnot. <laughs> like that's how we evolve. Yeah, that's how we stay alive. Yeah. Yeah, that's how we stay alive. Um, but if if we can create safe circumstances for ourselves, then we could retune our, our brains. Um, so that while we, we can still have vigilance, and I mean, there are times when fear is very appropriate, but we don't need to be like eaten up by fear all the time. We can, we can retune and make joy, um, sort of the note that we notice first instead of the one that we noticed last. That makes sense. And yeah, yeah, I've definitely had that experience in terms of just, yeah, your mind automatically goes to the negative, goes to the things that need to be fixed or or needs to change in your life. But also they go to like, oh, the excuses of why it is. And so I'm control, you know, I have no control over my current state. And so I'm just stuck in it. Um, But yeah, if you can get over that hurdle now, there's you can see joy on the other side. You can see that light at the end of the tunnel and you can actually make progress to get there. Exactly. And I think what you're describing is sort of a, a victim mentality is what a lot of people call it. And I think like being a victim of circumstances is is real. I mean, terrible things happen and we live in a in a culture and a society that's deeply unfair and where thing wealth is distributed so wildly unequally you could like it almost boggles the mind. So yeah, it is true that there are circumstances that we can't change. There are things that happen to us that we're out of our control. However, within the space that we can control, what can we do? And shifting away from that mindset you're talking about of like, everything sucks and there's nothing I can do about it. It's the starting point, right? It helps a lot because when you feel completely disempowered by all the things that keep happening, like, well, where's there space for you as this precious individual to move in the world? Yeah. Yeah. Well, Back to the joy, back to the happy things. What are what are some wins? What are some great things that are happening for you, whether it be business or personal? Like, what are the great things happening for you right now? Well, I'll tell you a personal one. Um, so I, I told you I sold my house. And congrats. Um, they, yes. And then I bought another one. <laughs> ah, even more congrats. <laughs> <laughs> it's this big, old, beautiful house. And one of my best friends just moved in with me. Um, so we call it the home for hot and classy babes and <laughs> we are like, really enjoying no, no, I wish I could be a babe. I want that name for my house. That's amazing. Yeah, right. well, <laughs> just come on. <laughs> um, yeah. So that, that feels great. And, um, it's a, it's a different way of structuring life than what a lot of people do. You know, a lot of people who are not in sort of a nesting relationship will, um, live alone but i didn't want to live alone i wanted to live with my friend and so that was super cool and that is bringing me a lot of joy um i'm also really delighted about um this course that's coming up the joy and money course it feels like 
a big expression of my life purpose um, because of this journey I've been on of like catastrophes and healing from them and learning from them and then getting on the other side of it and then like living in my dream home and having everything that I need and and being able to spend my money in ways that amplify my joy is such a gift and it's a gift that I hope is going to pay forward to a lot of other people. Um, so that's, that's a big, that's a big one in the excitement. And when does that course begin, by the way? I have not actually set the exact launch date, but, um, I think we'll have the link in your show notes. You can go to joybasebusiness.com slash waitlist, join the waitlist. You'll be in my world. I will give you a very special fancy discount. And the first few people who sign up are actually going to get free coaching time with me too, one-on-one. So we can have a deep conversation about joy and money in their lives. Amazing. Well, I highly encourage anybody listening to this to make sure that you go get that course, get your, your, you know, your personal uh, consultation, get your, you know, get your leadership in, in joy. So um... <laughs> thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> it's been such a pleasure and an honor to talk with you and, and to be on your show. Oh, absolutely. I've had so much fun talking to you and I, I'm, I'm going to be getting these books that you recommended. Uh, <laughs> I, again, I might also be signing up for your course because, yeah, there's there's so much that you said in terms of just like the the hurdles and, and like how you have to get to this joy mentality um, that sometimes you just need help with. You, you, sometimes, it, you know, you need someone to help to show you where, you know, what steps you need to take to be able to get to that that moment. And so yeah. now I really appreciate what you do. Uh, I appreciate you being so open and honest with your journey because I also think that's important. I think you know, it takes hearing somebody who's been through something similar to realize that, oh, I can make it out of this too. So, you know, your candor is, is also amazing. So thank you so much for everything. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Quinn O'Brien, for joining us on Entrepreneur Struggle. And thank you for listening. You can learn more about Quinn's work and get the link to sign up for her course by going to our show notes, which is also where you can get more information on how to stay up to date on everything Entrepreneur Struggle. Thank you to my producers, Heather Johnson, Brittany Temple, and Mike DuBose. Thank you for the support of the LinkedIn Podcast Academy. And until next episode, stay safe and healthy because the struggle is real. 